You can't beat a simple children's program, can you, to remind us of... Some people wonder why we do children's programs. Why do we have kids get up and give the same story over and over and over again? It's because it's the truth. And we need to hear it, and they need to hear it, and they need to know it. And uh, we, we need to remind ourselves year after year after year that this is the greatest event in history, Jesus coming uh, and uh, coming to die for us. Pastor Michael prayed, help us tell the world about the first Christmas, a night like no other, when Jesus came to earth to save us from sin and death. Oh, the wonder of Christmas. Oh, the wonder of God's love. Love. When heaven came down, when Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, the wonder of God's love. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14 in your Bibles. Luke 2, 1 through 14. Uh, I looked for it real quick. I didn't think about this soon enough, but I was going through... Well, you know how you get on YouTube and sometimes you just wander around. Well, I, I, I wandered around to some files on my computer and I found, uh, actually, I, I watched the slideshow that we had made for my dad's funeral. And uh, one of the pictures in that slideshow is of my dad uh, reading the Christmas story, which he did every year for 50 years of my life <laughs> uh, before we opened presents. He always read the Christmas story, and so, so I read the Christmas story every year to my family before we open presents. And, and he would always only read Luke 2, 1 through 14. In fact, it got to the place where we would all repeat it with him as he would read it uh, from the Word of God. And I now include the end of the book of Mark, the crucifixion and the resurrection, because in our Christmas tree, we have uh, a little secret symbol for our family, and uh, it's hung by one of our children. Actually, they're going to all be here on Thursday, and we, we got it out, and the last few years, I've had to do it, but um, one of the, the, the right kid, in the right order, because it's written down who gets to do it next, um, it's, it's a nail that represents the fact that Jesus was born so that he could die. And we hang that in the middle of the tree as a symbol, uh, kind of a reminder to us as a family of, of why we celebrate Christmas. And, and I want us to just read Luke 2, 1 through 14. And I encourage every father, every man of the house, if you're a single mom, every single mom in the house, those listening, that you would read this. Maybe you already do, maybe you don't. Maybe this could be the first year that you begin the tradition of reading this passage to your family before you open presents on Christmas morning or for those of you that do it right on Christmas Eve. <laughs> we still do it wrong in my family because, you know, we follow my wife's traditions, not my family's traditions. Traditional Swedish, right? It's all Christmas Eve. Amen. I heard an amen out there. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, 
which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field watching over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, how did Mary share her pregnancy with her family? What did she say? What line did she lead with? How did she communicate to that? How, how, what was she feeling in the midst of that? How did such a divine message of an angel come to a teenage girl? in a way that she could relate to her God. What, what did a command not to be afraid really mean, and how did that really resonate in her? How would that resonate with you? If an angel appeared before you out of nowhere, and that angel said, do not be afraid, you think it would be, ah, okay, I'm not afraid. I mean, these are all curiosities that we as humans can relate to as far as the humanity of us in the midst of this story. I saw a great post, Facebook post on our North Hills uh, page this morning about the fact that, that these were real people. Uh, this, 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 was, this is not myth, what the story that our children told us here this morning. That it, it, it is true history. And, and all of these people, the shepherds, the wise men, are just like us. Fallible, human, made mistakes, and also need rescued. Um, regardless of what the answers are to those questions that we have, and regardless to how mysterious, mysterious it was for Mary in, in the midst of that situation, um, the wonder of love is, is expressed through the fact that God made a huge move. God made the first move, really, when it came to our redemption and our salvation. And, and the wonder of love expressed in that action is incomparable in the life that we live today. He sent, his, he sent Jesus. Jesus himself came to this place. And I know we like to say that, that our world is more chaotic and that our troubles are, are way worse than they were back in that day. But look, they were... They were dealing with pagans who were sacrificing children. And there were, there, there, we live in different times, but the consequences and the effects of sin are the same. The destruction of life. Uh, Satan is still out today to steal, kill, and destroy, just as he was back then. He uses different tools today than what he did back then. 
But it is exactly the same. And, and God made this huge move in coming into this world. John wrote some bold and shaping realities about that love. There's two verses that John wrote on the wonder of God's love that I want to uh, read us this morning. The first is 1 John 4.19. We love because God first loved us. We love because God first loved us. And the next one is going to be very familiar. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, God loved us first. God loved us first. The, the love of God for, for people so compelled him to make that first move, manifesting his love towards people that he came in the form of a baby. Prophecies for hundreds of you, years proclaimed that this was going to happen. People waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited, and at the right time, Jesus came. Not too early, not too late. The God who loves us is the God who is with us in the person Jesus Christ. He came near to us because he wanted a relationship with us. He wanted to restore us. He, he wanted to make it, uh, he wanted to reconcile us with himself, a perfect and righteous God. God loved Mary first. God chose Mary to be the mother of his only begotten son. I can't imagine the weight of that responsibility. Did she even realize it? I don't know. I mean, she pondered these things in her, she treasured these things in her heart as she's experiencing uh, the birth of Jesus and, and those that came to visit. I'm sure Mary didn't get, you know, word. You know, men, when you're going to invite people over to the house, you want to make sure that you let your wife know or you get permission to do that. Um, I, these shepherds just show up. The, the, the magi from the east just show up. Unannounced, yet they are here and, and they fall to the floor and they worship this baby that Mary just gave birth to. Oh, the love of God coming to us first. His love has always been first. It's always been first. Mary was called highly favored by Gabriel. I wonder what that looked like in her life. What, what did that mean? Why Mary? Why not Janet? Why not Sally down the street? Why Mary? Well, that answer should be easy for you, right? Mary, and I did some research on this this week. It, it's, it was encouraging to me. Mary was also, in addition to her husband Joseph, of the line of David. Luke talks about that in his genealogy, and, and I was confused at first, but, but I read some stuff that kind of straightened me out on it. Um, not that that's super important, that we know that Mary also was of the line of David, but to me it's like Jesus was twice in the line of David. There, there was no doubt, there was no doubt that Jesus was born of the line of David, just as God had promised now, she, Mary, only knew how to love God because God first loved her. And it just blows me away that Mary says, may it be as you say. Basically, okay. You just got news that you're going to be or are pregnant 
yet you've never been with a man. And this child that you're going to carry is the Savior of the world. Wow, her faith, her faith. May we have the faith that Mary did. The wonder of Christmas is that God loved us first. God loved us first. God, and God did that over and over and over and over through thousands of years. He loved us first. Preparing for just the right moment, and that moment was a night like no other. As God reached out to us first. You see, God loved us first, and then God reached out to us first. There is no amount of beating, our, uh, beating a path to the door of God that, that, that we can accomplish salvation but yet he, that, that he reached into our world and he reached out to us first. The shepherds found this baby just as the angel said. We needed saved. We, 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 can't, we can't save ourselves. So God took the first step and he reached out. He came down. He came down. He gave up heaven He entered the world as a baby. I wonder what that was like. God incarnate, human. And then he lived the perfect life. He taught and he trained some disciples who would carry on that message, a ragtag bunch of young men. All different personalities, all different kinds of learning styles. And then he was the perfect sacrifice for humankind. Just as, the, just as sin entered the world through one man, the remedy for sin was accomplished by one man. That man was Jesus Christ. He conquered sin and death when he resurrected and then he ascended into heaven. Oh, the wonder of Christmas. That's all a part of the Christmas story. God took the only step that could be taken to rescue us. He did it. He reached out to us first, and because, and because God, because God, then we were able to reach out to him. Because God loved us first, we're able to reach out to him. Part of the nature and character of God is that he longs to be in communication with us, his creation. I think it's okay to say that. God longs to be in relationship with us. The infinite God wants to hear from his finite creation, humanity. And if we as humans are to have an authentic, growing relationship with God, we must be able to ask our curious questions about life. We should never fear. We should never be afraid about being honest with God. God, what do I do? This just happened in my life, or I just did this. Pastor Michael told me a story this morning, and I, I don't know if he's, he, he'll, he'll share it some other time. I didn't even get permission for him to share this with you, but I'm going to anyway. So uh, Michael asked if he could borrow the church suburban to run Scott's Bluff to get some groceries for the kids' party they're having downstairs right now. And I'm like, sure. Oh, and by the way, would it be too much trouble if you stopped at Harbor Freight and got some things for me? He's like, yeah, I can do that. So um, he, he stops at Harbor Freight, and then this morning he tells me this story. The, the, the checkout girl was like flaming pink hair, 
you know, piercings all over the place. And she wished him a Merry Christmas. And Michael's like, oh, man, I am so happy about it. And he tells, basically tells her what Christmas is really about. And she's like, yeah, God, God would never forgive me for the things that I've done. And he goes, oh, yes, he would. And within a course of five minutes, this girl behind the counter prays to receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm telling you, God was reaching out to her in that moment. Now, I'm going to say this is the case. The reason the transmission went out in our mail car was so Pastor Michael could have that conversation with that girl at the checkout counter when he's picking up things for me. I don't know, but isn't it crazy how God uses things in every one of our lives so that he can reach into the life of somebody else, so that he can have somebody at the right place at the right time to say the right thing? And that's every one of us. That's not just Pastor Michael, though he, man, God just uses that guy, and and he just is willing to be used. I mean, boldly go where some others may not be willing to go. He does. And, and God just, just uses that. But you see, God, God is reaching out to us, and as he's reaching out to us, then we are given opportunities to reach back to him. And it's only then. We should not be afraid to ask God the tough questions. Look, you don't think he could forgive you for things that you've done? Ask him. Ask him, tell him the things that you've done and see what he says. You're angry with him? You know what? Let him know. Respectfully, but let him know. Tell him. Tell him why. I think he'll have an answer for you because he wants us to reach out to him. Um, and, And when we call out to him, we are calling out to him to solicit a response from him. And, and Jesus asks us to do just that. Uh, the Old Testament, for instance, Jeremiah 33 3 is an invitation to call on him. Call to me, God says, and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. He did that through Paul. This mystery that we've been waiting for, I know what it is now. It's not mysterious as in something that that you can't know. It's just mysterious in something that we don't know at the time. I wonder if the Mary's uh, experience was a bit mysterious. I mean, she just jumped on the boat, right? The angel said, it's, it, God picks you. She's like, okay. When, when in your life has God picked you for something? And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not the right guy. I'm not the right woman for this. Yeah, Moses tried that, right? Noah built a boat in the middle of the desert because God told him to. Let's listen. Let's obey. Let's reach back to him. God desires for you to communicate with him. Call on him with your questions and curiosities. There. This is where our love is bound to grow as we wait for his response. 
when we say we're going to pray about this and we're going to trust God to open and close the door, then we need to just wait until God either opens or closes the door. And we keep praying and we keep trusting and we keep waiting. When you feel uncertain or perplexed or afraid or annoyed or defeated or discouraged or unsure about the next step that you're going to take, God wants us to call on him and ask him, hey, help me. I want to know what you want me to do. I got a phone call this week from somebody who lives in Montana thinking about moving here. I'm like, really? Um, yeah, he's like, I just, we, you know, we, we're kind of, there's a place for sale and we're thinking about it and we're thinking about selling ours and buying that one. And, and we've been, you know, we've been kind of looking around at churches and we watched a few of your sermons and, and, you know, my wife just said, why don't you just call him and ask him? So we had all kinds of questions like, what's the community like? And what are the people like? And I mean, I was honest with him. <laughs> I don't know if he's coming or not. But I prayed with him as we finished the phone call. I'm like, Lord, give this guy wisdom. He's, he wants to know if he should move his family here and become a part of this community. Now, a guy that says that, I'm like, you know what? Come. We'd really like you to be a part of this community. Uh, sounded to me like he was ready to get his boots dirty and his hands, his feet wet and his hands dirty. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. But, but God wants to hear from us. He wants us to reach out to him. Let's lead our families in that this Christmas. I mean, we are people who, he, who have been created in his image. God wants us to reach out, to connect, to, to convey and wait to receive from him. Jesus explained it this way in Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, your good, good father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? See, one of the most natural and normal ways that two beings who love each other cultivate that relationship is by communicating with each other. And we've already seen that God reached out and communicated to us first, and now it's our opportunity to reach back to him. Stepping closer to God through communication is what Jesus' brother James invites us to do in his letter. In James 4.8, he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Are we drawn near to him? Are you drawn near to him? Husbands, are you leading your family near him? Drawing near is a relational step of trust. As we draw near, we can communicate with God by asking all of the curiosities that we have that, that have been rolling around in our lives, asking and then expecting a response is not only normal, but according to Jesus, it will happen. When I was talking to that gentleman from Montana, I was able to share him 
share with him the story of my daughter who went to Texas. Now, you know, moving from Montana to Wyoming, that's a good thing. (laughs) Moving from Wyoming to Texas, now come on. She literally, a couple weeks ago, was complaining about the heat. Well, they arrived Thursday this week. She's going to stop complaining about the heat in a hurry. But I, I was able to share about my own daughter who just stepped out. Said, God, you seem like you're opening this door. And boy, did he, he not open, he not only opened the door, he paid the toll. God wants to give us good things. It's the reason that we can say that he is a good, good father. Because it's true. He is. He wants to provide. He wants to connect. He, He doesn't respond to our ask in a hurtful or detrimental way. Rather, he responds in ways that will be life giving, that will be better and the best for us. That we don't get it yet a lot of times because I'm like, God, if you really love me, you would just blow this door wide open and let me have this. And he's like, no, 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 no. But I want cake for breakfast. No, you can't have cake for breakfast. It's not good for you. It's not healthy. Trust me, cake for breakfast is not good. Now, the three verbs that Jesus articulates here are ask, seek, and knock. He wants us to be intentional in our reaching out to him. And that is part of the wonder of Christmas. It's an intentional first move of, of the love of God first to us. And then him saying, you know what? I want you to reach out to me. I want you to draw near to me. I want you to come to me. Bring that stuff to me. Bring your questions to me. Bring your sin to me. Because I came to rescue you from it. These verbs here are, are, are in a very important tense in the original language. They are in the present perfect tense. And that means an action happens and then keeps happening. This isn't a one-time ask, seek, knock thing. This is an everyday thing. This is an ongoing thing. When Jesus invites his followers, uh, what Jesus invites his followers to do is to pray to God for discernment in a way that starts and never stops. Jesus is saying, ask and keep on asking. He's saying, seek and keep on seeking. He's saying, knock and just be the persistent widow. Be the kid that's next to your bed going, Mom, 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 Mom. Because Dad, he's sound asleep. He can't hear a thing. <laughs> right? Now, that, that response that, that he promised us to give us, it could be yes. It could be an emphatic yes. It could be no. It could be an absolute no way. No. It could be, you know what? Keep asking. Keep asking. I had, a, I had an elementary teacher. Anytime we would say we want this in class, she would say it's good to want. It builds character. <laughs> I never understood that as an elementary student, but as an adult, 
I can kind of get it. It's, it's all about the patience and waiting and trusting that, that God is as firmly on his throne today as he ever has been. And that reaching out to him is an intentional engagement. It, it's intentional, active, and consistent prayer. It's a, it's a communication mechanism for us on a daily basis. And, and when we're burdened with fears and anxieties, not unlike those feelings that Mary, I bet she had so many conversations with God after that initial, hey, this is what's happening in your life. What did she say to Joseph? When did she say it? How did she bring it up? And, and you know, we can think of all of those things. The community, what kind of position did God put her in? I mean, really? Yeah, it's what... It's what he wanted to do. It's what had to be done. And sometimes God puts us in positions that are uncomfortable, but it's what he wants. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Sometimes the coach pulls you out of the game in the fourth quarter because that's what he wants. And you know what? We got to be okay with that because he's the one that's in charge. I, I, I don't have the plan in my head. I, I just have to trust him. You know, and sit there on the bench and go, Coach, put me back in. Coach, put me back in. I'm not saying that you should do that, mind you. We can bank on the nature and character of the God who wants to hear from us regarding those anxieties and those troubles and those fears and those hard things that are going on in our life because we need to remember He loved us first. That's... That's the only way that we're able to return love to God. And that's the only way that we're able to love each other. Because God loved us. He reached in here. He changed our hearts. And because we now have the Holy Spirit and the love of God in our heart, then we are able to begin to understand what it means to, to love another person. To love someone else. To forgive them. I, I think Peter explains it a little in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. When God removes our anxieties and we are humble before him as a servant, it's only then that we are able to love other people. And that's our fourth point this morning. We love. You see, God loved us first. He reached down to us. Third, we reach back to him. And as we do, and we're in that relationship with him, then we're able to love each other. We love because of the night like no other. <laughs> we love because God first loved us. And, and love itself can be so surrounded with anxiety, can't, can't it? I mean, we're created for relationship, and then when we're in these relationships, it becomes difficult and hard, and, and we have to forgive and have grace and patience with other people when we'd really just like to slap them. <laughs> anxiety, fear, trepidation, selfishness, pride, jealousy, we're... We're able to love like Christ when we love out of the gratefulness and of the peace that he puts in our heart. We then pour that out into the lives of other people around us. And we're tested on that every day. There is a, 
there is a battle going on, a spiritual battle, and the enemy hates it when we love other people. Of all the disciples, Peter experienced the anxiety of letting Jesus down the greatest when he denied even knowing him. Remember, Jesus told him he would do that, and he was like, no way. We'll see. And then Peter does, and, it, and, and it's, it's, it's like those movies you watch where they say you can't change the future. You try it, and you can't change it. At what point did Peter not realize what he was doing? You would think the first time he denied Jesus, he would be, uh-oh, that's one. I'm not going to do the other two. That, but that didn't happen. It was at the moment of the third one when the rooster crowed and that he remembered what Jesus had said. And then it was just regret and, and hurt. Peter knew the weight of anxiety. And, and I, I bet it hindered his, I bet he became impossible to be around until Jesus met him on that shore that one morning and said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times Jesus asked him if he loved him. Three times Peter said, yes, I absolutely do. And I can't imagine the sense of relief at the end of that when, when Peter knew that he had been forgiven by his Savior. That's, that's, that's what love does in us in our relationships. It restores them. If Peter can trust that kind of love modeled in Jesus, so can we. If Peter can trust Jesus' forgiveness, then so can we. The love God has for us is strong enough for our failures. It's strong enough for our fears. As well as our curiosities that we bring to God in prayer and communication with him. As the angel articulated to those shepherds, Jesus is the Savior who was born for who? All people. That includes the people who would let him down and cause him pain through their choices. We can always come back and reconnect. Of course, my prayer is that, that, that those times where we have to do that become further and further apart from when we did it the last time. And that that faith and trust we have gets stronger and stronger and stronger. When somebody throws something back in our face, we're like, ah. can always come back around and we can always receive that forgiveness that God extends to us. The God who first loved us and always will. And we can pour out that same kind of love for everyone else around us. Every day. Whether you're a first century Jewish teenage girl trying to understand how you just were chosen by God to be the mother of the Messiah or you're a 21st century person trying to figure out life with God in your circumstances, know that God loves you this Christmas. He's not afraid of your curiosities. He has broad shoulders for your fears and your anger.
anything that could crop up in your life through the various seasons and circumstances of change. He knows where you've been. He knows where you are. He knows where he wants you to go, and he knows where you're going to go. And he sticks right there with us. He has a plan for your life, and he wants that plan to include heart-to-heart communication with him as your creator and your savior. He wants us to call on him with our questions and our doubts. And we can ask him, expecting him to answer. And he will show us the next steps. And and we need to trust him with those. When we say and when we pray, and I encourage you to pray this, God, show me if this is what you want me to do. And if he says this is not what I want you to do, we need to be okay with that answer. I've had people tell me that before. <laughs> you know, I know I'm one of three for this role, and, and um, you know, whatever you decide is, is okay. And then when we decided that that person wasn't going to be the person for that role, they absolutely lost their, I mean, they were, they were hurt. They were, um, we, yes, I, I understand that, but, but you said you were going to be okay with that. Let's be okay with that. God loved us first. God reached into our world first. So let's ask, seek, and knock. Let's reach out. Let's lead our families in that way. Let's, let's reach out to others, loving them, because God first loved us. So take a chance this Christmas and move towards the God who moved and reached out to you first. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to hear from you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you good gifts. He has good gifts for us. You know, I, I had a young man tell me this morning he was getting a hoverboard. And I said, how do you know you're getting a hoverboard? And he was like, I just know. I'm like, you're getting, are you getting a hoverboard because you asked for it? I don't know. I couldn't really understand everything that he was saying. But I remember wanting speakers for my car. And I was convinced that that present under the tree Christmas morning, because there was only one Santa present under the tree, we'd already opened them all the night before. When I got home from church that morning, because we always had church 6.30 every Christmas morning, Eulata was wonderful. It was like our Christmas Eve, but it was early in the morning. When Dick came here, genius Dick, Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock, 5.30, that's a way better time than 6.30 in the morning. But for years and years and years, my, my dad, though he didn't have to, you know, uh, put, the, put the harnesses on the horses, for years, those Swedes, didn't matter if the snow was flying, they, they saddled their horses, they drugged their sleighs to church at 6.30 in the morning on, sun, on Christmas morning to celebrate the birth of Christ. And I just absolutely forgot what I was talking about. Oh, thank you. That present was not speakers. And, and you know, I, I was pretty bummed about that. But at the same time, and I knew this in my head and my, my heart, but it was hard. It was still a, a gift. 
It was still something cool. I don't remember what it was because I had my heart set on speakers. But it was still a good gift from my parents. I mean from Santa. Because it, it, wasn't, it wasn't coal, it wasn't a stone, it wasn't a snake. And if we know how to give our children good gifts, seriously, God the Father, the creator of the universe, who came here and died and rose again, oh man, the wonder of Christmas is waiting for us to experience. The wonder of his love. Oh, the wonder of Christmas. Oh, the wonder of love. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you that uh, you are, in fact, a good, good father. And we're going to sing that right now. We're gonna, I pray that that would be true in our hearts, that we would, as we sing this song, that it would be a reminder to us of this and that we would remember that this week, that, that we celebrate Christmas because you came, you reached it, you loved us first, you reached into our world first. You did what had to be done, what only you could do. Thank you. May our hearts burst with gratefulness this Christmas season. No matter what gifts we give or receive, help us to remember that the joy and the peace and the love about this time of year has nothing to do with the gifts we give each other. It has everything to do with the gift that you give us. Thank you. May our hearts just overflow with the wonder of your love. In Jesus' name, amen.